Hello divine souls, Jamila Bernie here with Becoming the Big Me. I'm so excited for this special segment of the Becoming the Big Me podcast. This section of the podcast is dedicated towards sharing the stories of conquest for some incredible individuals. They are also featured in my latest book, Becoming the Big Me, The Great Conquest. In this section of the podcast, we will dive deep into each of their stories and their journeys and their hardships from addiction, PTSD, loss of loved ones and children. This segment of the podcast is dedicated towards sharing their stories and and sharing their journeys, not only of the hardships, but sharing how they overcame. To learn more about the authors behind the stories that you are going to hear, go to thegreatconquest.com. And if you would like to purchase a copy of The Great Conquest book, you can go to bit.ly slash greatconquest. And without further ado, let's dive into the amazing journeys. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Becoming the Big Me podcast. I'm your host, Jamila Bernie, and I'm so excited, you guys. I have an amazing individual with me today, and I'm so excited to introduce you guys to Jennifer Abby. Jennifer is passionate about helping others find financial freedom and fulfillment in their lives. She aims to help as many people as possible to discover the ease that can come with control over their finances. Jennifer is a mother the author of the book, Naked Wealth, Have Tough Money Conversations to Achieve Financial Intimacy and Freedom. And she works with couples daily to move towards greater financial literacy and freedom. Through Jennifer's journey, she has had to learn the lesson of living life for herself and overcoming the obstacle that so many find themselves in, of living their life for others. As Jennifer would put it, Her transformation wasn't in the form of one major event. It wasn't in one single instant. More so, it was a slow burn, a transformation over the journey of life, gradually learning, gradually becoming more steadfast to the vision, becoming better and better each day of being free from the trap of others' opinions. Jennifer, I'm so glad to be able to speak with you and to hear more about your journey of becoming the woman, the mother, and the business owner that you are today. Through any journey, there's going to be obstacles, both big and small, that you must conquer in order to make it to your goal. Can you bring us back in time a little bit, you know, before you have created all that you have, all that has come into existence now, uh, back when your path wasn't quite so clear and when you found maybe you were living, living more for others and less for yourself? Can you kind of bring us back to that time and, and what were you doing at this time and where was your head at? Sure. So thanks, first of all, for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you today. So I wasn't always working with people in the field of financial services. I actually started my career in special education, but the way I fell into special education had less to do with me and 
more to do with the fact that I had no idea what I wanted (laughs) and sort of looking at the narrow focus of probably expectations set forth before me. And so I was in college and I finished college with not a great GPA. I had an undergrad degree in psychology because I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And then I said, what do I do with this? So the only thing I could think of was to keep going to school. (laughs) And I wasn't doing it because I was so passionate about special education or so passionate about psychology or any of these things. It was all defaulting. I just kept defaulting into things. And I just would find myself somewhere and say, okay, I guess this this is what I'm doing right now. And I know that my family highly values education. So I wanted to make sure that you know, at least I was pleasing somebody and doing the right thing by continuing on in that path. So I went on to get a master's degree in special ed. And then I started teaching and it quickly realized this is absolutely not what I want to be doing. (laughs) It was, I was not good at it. It wasn't for me. I was in a middle school life skills classroom working with kids who my certification was in severe disabilities and these kids were more on the behavioral side of things. And so that was a big challenge for me, but I realized this isn't what I wanted to be doing. And I just didn't know how I got there. I'd look back and say, how did I get here? So I thought, what's the next path forward? And I going back to school again, because again, I just defaulted into that. Well, education is valuable. That'll be great. And I got a a degree in severe disabilities And I continued on working with technology for kids with disabilities. And I started a consulting business. I realized I didn't want to work for other people. So that was the first time when I really realized, okay, what is it I want? What is it I don't want? And I stopped defaulting. I I finally was able to discern that I wanted to work for me. I wanted work-life integration. I wanted to blaze my own path and not be told what I'm doing and not be defaulting anymore. So I started my own business. And that's the first time it really clicked for me. And I said, okay, I can do me. I can make my own choices and I can build something that has me in the center of it instead of just falling into other people's paths. So that was the first time that really hit me. Yeah, often, you know, in life, when we find ourselves living without that intention, it can feel as if we're just drifting along. Um, How did you go from, you know, that living without intention to living with the intention through, you know, it sounds like creating your business, but what was that like? Was there an internal shift that that happened during that time frame? You know, as I mentioned, it was really a slow burn. And I don't think I fully encompassed the concept at that time of really living my purpose and versus still kind of falling into things. I wasn't fully aware that I had a choice of the direction of my life. There wasn't any big shift in that moment. I mean, it was pretty subtle. It was really later on in life that had nothing to do with a work situation. When I first, I was telling a friend about this this morning, when I really first experienced the power of positivity, the power of thought, and the way things are positioned and the outcome thereafter, it was a personal situation where I had undergone 
years of infertility treatments. And this is absolutely not the direction I planned on this conversation going, but this is probably really hits on this point. Um, and I'd undergone infertility for many, many years. I went through in uterine insemination, in vitro insemination, and really trying to get pregnant. I struggle. Um, I have polycystic ovary syndrome. And so I knew that I was going to have a hard time getting pregnant. So as I'm running this business and the craziness of owning my own business, I'm living my life really by a calendar, by my cycle. You know, what day am I on? You know, it wasn't Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It was cycle day one, cycle day 13, et cetera. So I'm going through this process and I finally became pregnant with twins. I was beyond ecstatic when they called and told me I, I, my knees buckled. I remember falling to the floor. But through that, I was very, very intentional to, about this is my goal and this is what I need to do to hit it. And I need to you know, really dedicate my time to you're going to go to the doctor, you're going to have an ultrasound, you're going to have blood work. You have to do your shot at this time. It's probably the first time when I really, really, really set my mind on something very specific and had different metrics I had to do each day. You know, you think about having a power list and having those three critical tasks. Well, for getting pregnant, those critical tasks were take a shot at 8 p.m. on the dot. And that's the first time I really did that. So I think that was a shift for me in one regard because I really realized that I needed to do specific things, very small steps to get to this bigger goal. And that was the first time I think I really cognitively in my front of my mind, experience that. And fast forward, um, Mother's Day of 2005, I woke up and went into my baby's nursery, felt some cramping, went to the bathroom and realized that there was a serious problem. I went to the hospital and I was told that my cervix had suddenly opened and I was going to be having these babies and they were too young and they're going to die. And I just you know, it was like the wind was just swept out of me, but at the same time, it was okay. Like I, and I can't explain the supernatural. This is just okay. You know? And I went through and I just remember going into surgery. I lost a lot of blood. I had a lot of complications and I remember thanking the doctors. Thank you for taking care of me. And I was so focused on there's people here who are really taking care of me, who are doing the right thing to get me well again. And it's okay. I can do those shots again. And I can just, and I was, well, I was devastated at the dreams and hopes and all the things I had for this pregnancy and these babies and the life I was going to have with them. My focus wasn't on the sadness of it. It was on, okay, well, even though this is sad, these babies don't have to experience skinned knees. They don't have to have a broken heart for their first boyfriend or girlfriend. They don't have to go through the difficulty of life and they get to go, you know, straight to heaven or, you know, whatever you believe, you know, but they're, they're straight there. They got the fast track. And that's where I put my focus. And that was the first time in my life I really ever realized the power of thinking and your thoughts are so important. And I didn't just sit there and dwell on, oh my goodness, I got pregnant after all this trying and now it's all unraveled and I'm never going to have babies again. And while my head would go there for a moment, I'd feel it and move on. But I realized how powerful it was, especially after I got out of the hospital and everyone said, I don't know how you're doing it. How do you talk about this without falling apart? How do you move through this? And I said, because, you know, people were there taking care of me. They were helping me. I have great doctors. I have great this. I was just very focused on the positive. And fast forward, I've got four kids now. So, mm -hmm. you know, so things I learned that things happen 
for us, not to us in that moment. And I think that was a big shifting point for me, even though I didn't realize it in the moment. That's something that I think is really important to highlight is oftentimes, you know, while we're in the midst of the obstacle, while we're in the midst of the chaos and the craziness that, you know, life inevitably will throw at us, we don't Mm -hmm. realize that what's happening in that moment and those lessons that we're learning, that person, that woman that you became through that journey, through realizing that gives you the tools to step in and to continue to grow and to continue Mm -hmm. that journey. And it sounds to me like you really did learn through that process, a lot of lessons that you're continuing to learn in your journey now. For sure. And those lessons have really allowed me to help others, you know, through that, through going through a divorce, I realized things happen to your, what you just said, you know, curveballs are thrown. Inevitably, they're going to happen. And as much as we think it's not going to happen to me, you might, you might, you might not going to know which thing's going to happen to you. It's something, something curveballs happen. That's part of life. And so when I'm working with people on their finances, one of the things that we talk about is, okay, what are the risks? What are the curveballs that can come at any moment? Have you thought about them? Have you talked about them? Have you prepared for them? Because my goal is that whatever is thrown, that people are being proactive, not reactive. And they're setting their intention on what's important to them. You know, not everybody has the same priorities, nor should they, but that you're really thinking through your financial situation, through the lens of your priorities and your personal goals, and not just falling back into you know, what your family dictates. And, you know, that's where sometimes um, you can have some struggle with your spouse and some dissonance because if your spouse comes from a different place and you come from a different place and, you know, not just kind of resting on, oh, well, my mom stayed home. So my wife's going to stay home. And that's that, you know, that could create some significant dissonance if you're marrying somebody who fully intends on working. Um, So, yeah. So using those lessons, as well as, you know, simply the lesson that you don't know what's going to come at you. No one expects a pregnancy to end in, you know, a 22-week loss. You know, that's, it's not something you expect when you go into it. No one expects a marriage to end in divorce either or anything like that. Yeah. So something that I know that you believe in a lot is just in the power of those small, consistent actions, whether that be, you know, in your personal life or with your finances. And just through this conversation, did that you kind of that lesson was learned through that process where you learn like, hey, I have to do this thing at this specific time. Is that something that you still kind of do now with your personal habits? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, 180%, even more than that. Like I said, I don't think I learned, I I learned the lesson, but I didn't internalize the lesson then. Right. And over the years, especially since going through a divorce, um, I really started taking accountability for my actions. I really started paying attention to the small details. It's the details of your day that really dictate your future, even though it may seem minuscule, um, you know, missing one toothbrushing session is not a big deal. But if you don't brush your toothbrush, your teeth for three years, you're probably going to have problems, but you need to brush every single day in order to have healthy teeth. And it's much the same. So those little tiny habits are super critical and play a big role in my life. I use the 
a power list every day where I write down my top three to five tasks that are deal breakers that have to get done. And it's not just the uh, having them written, but also the celebrating when you get those things done. Because even if you don't get done everything in your day, which you inevitably won't because of those curveballs, if you can get done those most important things, and again, through that filter of, is this moving me towards my goal or away from my goal? And really making sure it's each activity is processed through that lens um, that gets on the list. Is it moving me towards or away from? And how is it helping me? And what are the top three things I need to do to hit that goal? So yeah, I do a lot of uh, vision casting and setting goals annually. And again, making sure what those little tasks are in order to move me forward to those goals. And, and that's just really helping you to stay clear set on your vision, which I just love because, Jennifer, it helps you move through your life making those decisions for yourself. Because I know that's something that when we were speaking before our interview that you talked about is um, through life, you know, we can go and through life making choices for others, but understanding that we are in the driver's seat is such an important factor in moving forward. And I love that you have those small little habits to keep the needle moving steadily. Do you think that having these set habits has helped when there are little hiccups in the road um, so you don't go astray? Definitely. I mean, there are days when, you know, things happen, right? So say I'm going to make 20 phone calls or send five emails or whatever it may be. And all of a sudden, my child ends up at the emergency room, right? Those may not happen, but I know what I'm doing the next day. I'm picking that right back up. It's not like I've got this huge, long task list. But it also, if I am in a situation where my child's at the emergency room and I know that it's five emails, well, there's a lot of sitting around at those types of things. So I can use allows me to focus my time better. If I'm in the pickup line, I'll go ahead and, you know, look at my list. Is there anything I can accomplish here? Oh, great. I can get some social media stuff done. So it hundred percent helps stay focused, especially when things get derailed because you're really breaking things down into small chunks. It's like, oh, I don't, if I think, okay, I'm going to write a book this year. Oh, I don't have time to do that. I'm so busy. But if I think, okay, today I'm writing the bio <laughs> or the intro, or I'm going to, you know, dictate one chapter and get some ideas out or write the outline and just taking everything. It takes life into much smaller chunks so that you can really achieve big things. I heard a um, story once about, um, oh goodness, I'm totally blanking, a basketball coach, uh, John Wooden, and he was staring at the floor and somebody who was sitting next to him, I believe it was Jason Selk said to him, John, what is going on? Why aren't you looking at your players and looking at the scoreboard? You're staring at the floor. And he said, I'm watching their feet. I know if they run in diagonals, they're doing well because, you know, he said, I'm not. And so he doesn't keep his eye on the scoreboard. He keeps it on the little tiny movements along the way of the team. And so that's, that, that's really resonated with me. And that's what I try to do. I try to focus to make sure I'm looking at the small details and the day-to-day activities that'll move me forward and not at the scoreboard. I love that you break things down into those little chunks because it really uh, helps us overcome that obstacle that many of us face of that 
paralysis analysis, right? Like where it's just so big that we just mm-hmm. don't even know where to step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's super important to break things down. I mean, if I looked at, if you told me a year ago that during COVID, I was going like, okay, your goals this year, I bought a little tiny, well, my husband and I, a little tiny vacation place and I wrote a book and, you know, I had my best year in business ever. If you said, okay, you're going to go do all that this year, I'd be like, okay, shut down, done. You know, that's <laughs> too much. It's too much. Um, but yeah, if you break it down, you'd be surprised how far you go. And it's just like, okay, if this is my goal, what do I need to do to get there? What's one step? One step you can do to move the needle in the right direction. You don't have to do anything. You just have to move it by even an inch, just a little bit, just creep it up. And what's one thing I can do to do that? If you can't, you know, I just was reading um, David Goggins book and he talks a lot about that. You you don't have to, he didn't start running a hundred miles. He started with like telephone poles, you know, or half a mile, just, and you just do that. You just, and then push yourself 10% more the next day. So just increase your effort by a little bit to move the needle. And it's really, I mean, it it amazes me. I look back and I think, oh my goodness, like it's amazing how it adds up and time flies so quickly that all of a sudden you turn around and you're somewhere where you meant to be instead of didn't mean to be. And you know that you got there by doing these small tasks. But if you had looked at it as just the big picture, instead of the tasks, it would have seemed insurmountable. And that's what happens when you move through life with that defiantness of purpose. When you look at those obstacles, you know, just as you were saying, Jennifer, when you look at those obstacles with how can I overcome this? Do does it align with where I'm going? And and when you move through with that defiantness of purpose, it helps you to make those choices. Those day to day choices you to throw off the things that are not in alignment, and that's mm. been huge. That's been huge. You know, if if someone says to me now, "Oh, do you want to come sit at a restaurant and just chat for three hours about the weather?" Is that moving me towards my goal? <laughs> it probably isn't. And so, and if it was, then it'd be different. But and I'll be like, you know what? That's probably not something right now that I want in my life, you know, and also relationships. Is this relationship conducive to where I'm going or is it only to where I've been? And really filtering through where you're spending your time. And that's can be hard, but uh, I think it's important. Do you periodically uh, go do time audits? In terms? Uh, Through your uh, schedule. Just to, to take inventory of where yeah. you are spending your time to get a better, you know, under picture. I would say I do that ongoing. I do not have a minute unaccounted for. <laughs> if you asked me where I was on, you know, May 16th at 2 p.m., I 100% can tell you where I was and what I was probably doing, I use every minute of every day. So I wouldn't say it's something I do ongoing because I am so incredibly busy with four kids. One who, one of my daughters does competitive volleyball and one of them does competitive dance. 
I have a husband who also owns a business and I help him with his paperwork and things like that. Plus I have my own business and I'm doing 75 hard right now. And I just was doing a book. I'm always have so many balls in the air. It forces me to function with utmost efficiency (laughs) and intention. Can we talk about work-life integration? Because I know that that's something that so many mothers um, really have a hard time with, I mean, or parents in general. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's an absolute goal for me. So when I'm aligning my life decisions, I'm abs, my time is money and time are very, very close to equal to each other and time to have work-life integration. And I am, I like to have, if I want to take a walk at 10 a.m. with a friend, I'm, I want to be able to do that. If I want to be able to work remotely for two weeks or take a vacation, I want to be able to do that. So that is absolutely important to me. And I also, one thing that is a deal breaker for me is driving my children to where they need to go. I spend a lot of time in the car and a lot of people say that's waste. That's waste of time. That's waste of time. Well, I listen to podcasts when I'm driving. I call the time when I catch up with friends is when I'm driving, when I'm sitting in the pickup line for something or waiting outside of dance or volleyball. I usually have my laptop and I'm either working on my social media or something I can do remotely. So that is Uh, it's very, very important to me to have work-life integration and not be able to miss things. So again, when I'm making a decision on something, I have to say, is this a deal breaker for me that I want to be part of or not? For me, grocery shopping, I don't care about going. I mean, I love food and I like I'd love have to have the time to go to the farmer's market and the farm for the dairy and the separate one for the meat and all that. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I just don't. So I will use grocery delivery service sometimes because that is something I you know, do groceries, how does that fit in to where I want to go? And is it going to really affect me if I don't go and I have someone else go? No, it's not. Boom, I'll have someone else do that. Cleaning my house. Is that something I can offload to somebody else? But again, driving my kids is important to me because some of our best conversations happen in the car. And so I'm not willing to give that one up, but I found ways to make that time a little more efficient. So I, it's absolutely doable. But again, you do have to be very, very strategic and very aware of where your time is being spent. If you're sitting in the pickup line watching Netflix, that might be okay. But do you have time or is there something else that needs to be getting done? You know, um, can you take a, can you get on a work Zoom call while you fold, fold some laundry? I, I, I'm generally multitasking, but again, not in a way, I don't want to multitask in a way that takes my attention away from what I'm working on either. You know, I think it's very important too, that we're not like, I'm the master multitasker. Cause (laughs) generally if you're doing everything, you're dropping something. So. Well, this level of, you know, scheduling really uh, takes a level of discipline that most people haven't developed. Uh, what are some ways that you have helped to develop your discipline uh, to get yourself to be in this place? Uh, in 
if you could react. Yeah. Like what are some ways that you have uh, cultivated developing your own personal discipline and and control over your schedule? Right. Because a lot of times people will find themselves losing a lot of time to things like social media or Netflix, like you mentioned. Um, What are some things that you have done to help build that level of discipline for yourself? Because it's not something that just comes easy for most people. I think the the power list has been a huge help for me. Um, so number one is I have that with me. So there are pockets in everybody's day, right? So I have um, my assistants who book my schedule for me. I don't book my own calendar. So they book my calendar. And I generally, I have to wake up every morning and say, what am I doing today? So in terms of my, where am I at nine? Where am I at 10? Where am I at 11? They've usually booked in my day, but they also are aware of when I have the kids, when I have activities, when I'm not going to be at the office or when I'm not going to be available for a phone call because I'm doing something else. So those appointments happen in the time blocks I've given them. These are appointment time blocks. When my children have a dentist appointment or orthodontist or physical therapy or whatever scheduled, I give that to my assistant so they get it in there. So that time is preserved. And when I have um, like a vacation planned or even the school calendar, I give that to my assistants every year too. So I make sure everything gets in my calendar. So these are, and if appointment comes in that I book, I say, okay, well, I have a 9 a.m. appointment block and I don't take up a block that's not there. It has to go in one of the appointment blocks. And then all the time in between, right? Or the time when something gets canceled. So inevitably, a few times a week, someone calls in and says, I can't do my appointment with Jen this week. Can we reschedule? Now, I could take that time and just go, okay, cool. (laughs) I'm just going to relax now. But generally, and maybe I will do that. But first, I go to that power list. Have I accomplished everything on my list? So those things in my power list are not time bound in my day to day. They have to get done by the time I go to bed. So I might get up at 5 a.m. and bang them all out first thing. But if I, and I usually do, I get start my day very, very early in order to get a workout in as well as some paperwork and some reading. So I get a lot done first thing in the morning before anybody else is awake. But then those other things that remain on the list get slotted in when I have a cancellation or they get slotted in, like I said, in the pickup line, they get wherever they can, but I do not stop for the day until they're done. Could you um, describe the power list just a little bit more for our audience who is not um, associated with Andy or Ed? Sure. So the power list is the top critical tasks you need to accomplish for the day. So critical tasks are not going to be 20 tasks. You might have 20 tasks, but that's a to-do list. The critical tasks are if you have your to-do list, for example, and you know there are three on there that are absolute, have to get done, deal breaker, cannot move on with your day until they're done because those are the things that are going to move you towards the direction of your dreams. And they're generally a stretch item. So if you're generally someone who gets up every single day at 5am and goes for a run and you don't even think about it, you love it, you do it, that's not going to go on your power list. It's something that you're not going to be automatic about. So if you wake up in the morning and you're not accustomed to working out and you have a fitness goal, you may say, one thing is I need a 45 minute workout today. That would go on your power list because it's not something comfortable or I want to get in the habit 
of reading. I wanted to get in the habit of reading the Wall Street Journal every single day. I get the Wall Street Journal and I scan the headlines and I just leave it alone for the day. And I realized I wasn't gathering as much as I need out of that in order to really understand what's going on to help the people I'm working with the best. So I put read the Wall Street Journal for 25 minutes every day on my power list. But now that it's automatic, that can come off again. So it's the things that are going to move you closest to your goals, three to five tasks. Yeah, I love that. I just wanted a little bit more explanation um, for those because it is such a powerful tool for moving you forward. Um, You know, as Jennifer has discussed so much throughout this interview, it's just the power of those consistent actions compounding over time. And that's what I love about the power list because it helps people get out of that, like that sprint and burn out mentality Mm. that the internet has kind of brought us into and brings us back to that okay to accomplish these big things i have to take these steady actions over time yes so if you could if you could give yourself you know a piece of advice um from earlier on in your journey from the knowledge that you know now that would have kind of helped you a little bit more what is one piece of advice from your perspective today that you would tell a younger version of yourself sure well it's interesting because life hits us the way it does right and sometimes we might not be ready to receive those lessons when we're younger but you know had i been able to extract wisdom (laughs) from experiences (laughs) I had not gone through, I think I would have told myself to really take a deep inward dive. Like I was created to be me and who I am. I wasn't created to be my sister. I wasn't my mother's clone. I wasn't created to be my best friend. And I went through a lot of life. Like I'd have a, I had a friend who did this weird blinky squinty thing with her eyes and I wanted to do that. So I started doing that just for the heck of it because (laughs) she did. And I thought she was really cool. So, you know, but I wasn't meant to be her. I wasn't meant to have that blinky squinty thing. Uh, I wasn't born, you know, bleach blonde. It just wasn't. And so I would say, just take a deep dive. Like, You were created as you and all those little traits that you see are there for a reason. They're there for an intention, for a purpose that you have in the world. And so don't worry about other people. Don't worry about their vision for your life because their vision is going to be different than your vision. So when you come up against people who say, hey, you know what? Why are you doing that? I don't understand. They're probably not going to understand because they have a different vision. They weren't giving you your vision and your skill set. And I would tell the younger version of myself to pay attention to that and know that and not know it in your head, know it in your heart and your soul and the depth of your gut. And even today, I still struggle with that. But you know, to just know it and be confidently moving forward towards who you were created to be, because that's when you're going to find the most satisfaction, the most happiness and impact the most people. Mm, I just love that. Jennifer, your words, you speak with so much power and conviction. And that just shows the confidence that you have built over time throughout your journey, because I know that you haven't always been so as confident in your abilities and who you are. And I just love that I can I can hear the confidence coming through your voice. Yeah, no, I was not always confident at all. In in that, that's such an important thing too. I'd probably tell a younger version of myself, you know, you're gonna fall down, and that's okay. Mm. And there was a 
early, several years back, there was an event that I attended and it was a networking thing. And I'm horrible at networking. Like I'm horrible. I, I'm an introvert at its most. Like if I can do anything, I'm going to stay home, read a book and take a bath. And mm-hmm. if I go out, I drain, like I'm good one-on-one with people, but in a big group, I'm just dr- completely, completely drained. So, and awkward, I would go to networking events and I'd hide in a corner and pretend I was on the phone <laughs> and just mark the time till it was over. And this one day I knew I really had to show up at this event. I needed to show up, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally. And so I spent about two hours in my office and I wrote down all these questions that I could ask people, open-ended questions that would get them talking, not necessarily just what do you do for work, but, you know, tell me about your summer plans or, you know, tell me a little bit about what you do and how it has an impact on people or, you know, just whatever, just all these open-ended questions. And I wrote them all down and then I visualized myself asking them and then I practiced them (laughs) and I was in there for two hours with these five open-ended questions, just getting them and memorizing them. And I went into the event and used them. And when I left, someone pulled me aside. They said, come here. They said, wow, you are amazing. You have such a way of working a room. (laughs) And I was like, what? (laughs) That was so funny. And I told this person, I said, do you know that I spent two hours? practicing this and so sometimes it is hard you know but i think as you stumble and you fall and you do awkward things and you prepare for something so silly as just talking to people in public you you know you you all of a sudden find you're able to do it and you find your power and your confidence and especially when you're really in your um where you need to be you know where you're supposed to be it comes through so much more because you're like this is me this is truly me i don't have to fake it I don't have to pretend. I'm just me. I'm being completely authentic in every way. And when I make a mistake, I can say I made a mistake. And that's okay because people understand I'm human. And when I do it well, I can accept the praise for it because I also know I did it well and I put a lot of effort into it. And it just really, it's like freedom, freedom in yourself instead of feeling trapped and scared. And like you don't feel like a uh, fake or anything. You just completely, what's internal and externals all congruent with one another and your people you hang out with and where you spend your time and it's all congruent and there's so much power in that Mm, and that's truly the power that you have when you begin to live your life for yourself and sometimes people might think that that sounds like a selfish thing Um, however what I've come to realize you know so thus far in my journey is that when you come to live for yourself and, and truly for like your desires and your wants, that is the, the, the most selfless thing that you can do because you are, you are going to now influence the people that you are supposed to influence. And you're yeah. also showing other people that they can do it too. 100%. And you hear that a lot in like parent circles. The one thing, a lot of shaming. Oh, you're doing you. You're doing you. That's so you should be 100% dedicated to your kids right now. You should be 100% like home and whatever, whatever that looks like to that person cooking or, you know, laundry all day or just waiting for them to sneeze. I have no idea what that even means, but I've been told before, oh, well, you know, I'm a stay at home mom and I'm, you know, and maybe, and I'm here for my kids as if I'm not, you know, and that is going to look different for everybody. If everybody was meant to be a stay-at-home mom or if everyone's meant to be a working mom or if everyone's meant to be a journalist, it'd be a pretty boring world. And why would we be created for our own purposes? It, it doesn't make any sense. So I think um, 
all the shaming has got to go. And being a mom, you're in living your full purpose and really living for who you're created to be. Isn't that what we all want for our kids? And so mm-hmm. I think that's the best thing you can do to be the best mom, whether that be you are a, you know, a financial advisor on Wall Street or you're a scuba diver who spends six months out like exploring marine life, whatever that is, are you fulfilling your purpose and showing that to your kids so that they can be who they were created to be? Because they're also not meant to be your clone. And I think that's so important. I think it's the best lesson I can give my kids. Hmm. And I know, I know that facing this obstacle of living life for yourself has completely transformed your life and impacted where you are today. Can, can you share with us a little bit more about where you are kind of currently and, and what motivates you now and what's going on in Jennifer's world today? Sure. So <laughs> I am, you know, I, I work with a lot of people every year. I love doing it. I love helping people accomplish their dreams. And so moving forward, I want to have an even greater impact. So what's going on in my life is I'm working with some friends right now and who have really big stories and big transformational journeys. And we're joining together to start a podcast. So I'm super excited about that because our message is, while we come from very different places, they have very similar um, messages at the bottom of it. And I think that we're going to be able to have a great impact on helping people really um, live to their best of their ability and live their best life. So podcast is coming out. Like I said, the book literally just launched in paperback two weeks ago. So that's still brand new. Hoping to get that into Barnes and Noble this year, as well Ooh. as it's already on Amazon. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of things going on in that. And then of course, just growing my impact, um, Right now, I have a pretty good local presence and pl- really expanding that. You know, I don't want to just work with couples here in my little town in Massachusetts, but really having more of a national impact and being able to work with people in different states and from different walks of life. Because I, you know, I, I already have clients in about 30 something states, but really expanding that impact and expanding that reach even more and expanding the message of not just talking about money in terms of how do you make it? You hear that a lot. Oh, you want to make money. I'm going to invest in this. I want to invest in that. I want to buy cryptocurrency. I'm going to start a new business. But you don't have a lot of people talking about why. Had you come to this place of, of really digging deep into your money values and your money path and your money history and your money future? And how do you integrate that so that all of the things mesh together and looking at you know the, the end game, the estate game? How do you pass on your values? How do you leave a legacy? What's the best way to do it and looking at from all angles? So that's something I'm looking to really have a further reach on as I move forward. So yeah, so a lot of different balls in the air. What a powerful next step. And that just completely goes along with, you know, continuing to step into the full version of yourself. You're continuing to step into your purpose and your power through these next steps 
in your journey and you truly are, you know, stepping into the version of yourself that you were created to be. And it is beautiful to watch. It's beautiful to watch as you claim that power. And, you know, the, the book is so exciting. Was that, was that hard for you uh, to put yourself out there in that way, releasing your first book? It was a little bit. I think the people closest to us can sometimes be our harshest critics. And so, of course, just, you know, taking in like, okay, who are you? Like, what do you think you're doing? Like, you know, those types of things and our own self-doubts and that imposter syndrome was a bit challenging. But I just knew I was like, I was something I always wanted to do. I always wanted to write a book. And I tend to be wired in such a way that I say, okay, I'm going to do this. And I do it. You know, if I say I'm writing a book, I'm writing a book. Like, I'm not just talking to you. There's no, I'm not just talking, it's happening. (laughs) And so I I said I was doing it. And I always tell people what I'm planning. And I tell somebody so that I'm hold myself accountable. And I know once I've told somebody, I don't want to uh, back out on that. So (laughs) it was fun. Um, It was I have a lot of personal stories in there. That was definitely tough coming full circle and, you know, kind of having that vulnerability. But ultimately, I know that that vulnerability is what resonates with people because everybody goes through stuff and everybody screws up in their life. Everybody makes a mistake and everybody has a story to tell. And I think even though my story is not this big, like, huge event. It's, it's still a story and it still does have pieces that resonate with people. So, and I felt like it was important to tell some of that story in the book. So I did. And that was um, also, you know, becoming vulnerable to a large audience is definitely something that is, is not always easy. Well, and you know, Jennifer, we don't have to have this crazy story, right? And that's why I love that you share it because, you know, there's a lot of little stuff that happens throughout life. There's all Mm -hmm. kinds of things that everyone faces, everyone. It doesn't have to be some big, massive event, but we all, you know, go through things and we all face obstacles and we need, you know, more people just sharing that journey because too often people all people see is you know the pretty curated picture right or the extreme or the extreme stories and so I just I commend you and I just love that you are stepping into you know the true embodiment of who you were created to be and putting yourself out there so that you can influence um, and change the lives of the people that you are supposed to I'm so excited to hear more about your podcast Um, you guys once she does launch the podcast I'll put the link in the description but before that, it won't be there because it's not launched yet. Um, where else can people find you to connect with you so they can continue to watch you flourish on this journey? Sure. I am available on Instagram. And I'm trying to look at the handle. It's Jennifer Obby underscore. So I have an Instagram account there. I can be also found on Facebook, which is at Jennifer W. Aubie, A-U-B-E. 
beautiful, you guys. And as always, I will put Jennifer's links um, in the description down below so you can connect with her further. Make sure that you go and check out her book. It is available on Amazon now, right? It's on Amazon in paperback yes. and Kindle version. <laughs> Beautiful. I will also be throwing the link in the description for that book. Jennifer, thank you so much for spending the time to share a little bit about your story. Um, I really enjoyed listening to it because, you know, it can be hard, especially as women, to understand our true power and to find our voice and to step into our confidence. And I love the approach that you have because it's something that I think that a lot of people can resonate with because it's very mm -hmm. actionable. Um, so thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insight and your light with us today. You're welcome. Thank you for the time. Um, I hope that you know, people really can resonate. And of course, anybody wants to reach out with questions or chat. I'm always love to hear other people's stories as well, because there's always, no matter what place you're in, you know, if you've just gone through something horrible, or you just feel like, you know, everybody has a power, and it's just a matter of finding it. There's always beauty in all the ash around us. So it's just finding it and raising it up. Hmm. so much for tuning into today's episode of the Becoming the Big Me podcast. I know that you found value in hearing this story today, and I would love if you could show your support by going and grabbing a copy of our book. And you can do so by going to bit.ly slash greatconquest. You can also go to www.thegreatconquest.com for more information about each of the individuals involved in this process. Thanks again for tuning in.